Line shot into right, coming in his angle, he's got the ball. And this one's over, and Lucas Giolito has thrown a no-hitter here at Guaranteed Rate Field. August 25th of 2020, Lucas Giolito no-hits the Pirates. And now Underwood ready to go, and that's a high fly ball. Deep left field, it's a trifecta. Jose Abreu has gone deep for the third time tonight. This is Andy Mazur, the podcast. How's it going, everybody? It's Andy Mazur here. It's my podcast. I'm relaunching it under a brand new name and hope to be a little more up-to-date with it these days. Uh, I'm broadcasting to you right now from my upstairs studio, so if it's uh, a little echoey, I apologize. But we'll, uh, we'll move it back downstairs uh, to, the, to the real studio uh, later on. Just wanted to take an opportunity at this particular point to, uh, to say thanks again to all the White Sox fans out there that were tuned into our broadcast, uh, whether it was every game or a few games or just one game. We appreciate it so much. Uh, DJ and I had a, had a blast, and uh, the team obviously made it very easy for us to, to broadcast this year. It was an exciting time and uh, a lot of firsts and uh, some that we'd not like to repeat. Let's put it to you that way. But, uh, you know, I, I did put something on my Twitter account today. And again, if you're not following me on Twitter, you can do so at Andy underscore Mazur. It's M-A-S-U-R and the number one, uh, since I'm the first and maybe the last. Anyway, uh, you know, I wanted to get your thoughts about uh, maybe what the most exciting moment or moments were for you this season. I gave you four to choose from, and uh, the voting still uh, about 15 or so hours as we uh, record this right now. Was it uh, Lucas Giolito's no-hitter? Was it Tim Anderson's absolute owning of Matthew Boyd and the Detroit Tigers with the leadoff home runs? Was it Jose Abreu's series at Wrigley Field against the Cubs with six home runs? Or was it that four consecutive home run onslaught started by Yohan Moncada against the Cardinals in the final game of that series at Guaranteed Rate Field? I know there was probably more. I missed a few, I'm sure, along the way. But I was just curious your thoughts about that. And uh, you can always uh, reply to the poll that's on my Twitter account right now. And uh, that would be most enjoyable. Uh, you know, if I had to pick one of these, I'd probably pick the no-hitter, first one that I've called, and just uh, an absolute great thing for a good guy in, in Lucas Giolito to see where he's come from, from the bottom of the barrel. And we do mean the absolute bottom of the barrel in 2018, the worst ERA among qualified starters, to becoming an all-star in 2019 and to uh, throw a no-hitter in 2020. It was pretty impressive, especially what he did in game one of the uh, the wildcard series against the Oakland A's as well. Uh, this guy is becoming not just a number one, but an ace. And when you talk about an ace, it's a difference. Uh, there's a difference between a number one starter and an ace. A number one starter might just be there because the matchup was great on opening day. Uh, but an ace is a guy that you count on to either start you on a good streak or end a bad streak, uh, kind of a, a stopper, so to speak. And I think Lucas Giolito has really stepped up into that role and uh, kind of embraced it. Yeah, he had a couple of bad ones. He had uh, the opening day ga- uh, game against the uh, Minnesota Twins. And also won at guaranteed rate field against the Cardinals. Yeah, I get that. I mean, even the best of the best have uh, have tough tough goes of it of, uh, at, at certain points. But uh, more often than not, in 2020, Lucas Giolito was the guy you could count on, and uh, that's certainly something great going forward here. And a and a young staff uh, also featuring Dallas Keuchel and uh, the like. And you know, obviously things are going to have to sort themselves out with the number three, number four, number five, where we go from here. Uh, that's uh, beyond my pay grade, and I'm going to leave it to the experts and guys that have done a pretty good job at uh, building this team so far, uh, Rick Hahn and company. Uh, I- I'm sure they'll get it right here, so I'm not going to really worry about that too much. Uh, looking at the other choices here, Tim Anderson's leadoff home runs against Matthew Boyd. 
I mean, Tim Anderson comes off the injured list and went on an absolute tear. And unfortunately for the Tigers, they were the beneficiaries of some uh, instant offense, so to speak. Uh, you know, Tim Anderson uh, launching home runs in the leadoff role against Matthew Boyd, the poor guy. But uh, pretty cool uh, little uh, series there for him and a couple of nice uh, little leadoff roles for uh, Tim Anderson in that case as well. Uh, the Jose Abreu series against the Cubs was fascinating because I couldn't believe that he had never had a three-home run game, uh, which he had in game one, and then follows it up with another home run, four consecutive at-bats with a home run, and then another home run, and then the Sunday home run. At that point of the year, he had six home runs at Wrigley Field, more than anybody else, and that includes the guys that had played there. It took Ian Happ until midway through September to hit his seventh home run at Wrigley Field to eclipse Jose Abreu's number six. So uh, pretty impressive. That that series was was something else. It was fun to watch. And uh, just the way that Jose Abreu was locked in, the three-home run game, a two-home run game, a one-home run game, it all adds up to six, and uh, he was well on his way uh, to, in my opinion, writing himself an MVP-type season. He's the MVP as far as I'm concerned, by the way. That, that goes without saying. Uh, the four consecutive home runs against St. Louis, that was, in, that was interesting, too, because the offense was dreary. It was dreary. Uh, it was not scoring any runs against the Cardinals. And uh, next thing you know, Yael Moncada with a big three-run homer, and then successive home runs follow in order, three more of them. And it really got the White Sox rolling. If you remember, that was the start of a big winning streak. And, uh, you know, Moncada, for what he has to say about things, uh, yeah, I understand that that COVID really kind of knocked him back a few steps and a, new, a couple of pegs this year. But when you look at the body of work, sometimes, again, we talk about this a lot on the broadcast, it's not about how many RBI you have, it's when you get them. And a lot of the times, Moncada would come through with a run batted in that seemingly would loosen everything up as far as the offense went and hits, homers, RBI would follow uh, follow his lead. So it was uh, kind of a cool thing to see that uh, you know he was able to, to get out in front of a couple of uh, big rallies. And it was great to see him playing down the stretch as well because we know he wasn't right. Uh, we know he was hurting. Uh, the legs were just not there for most of the year. And, uh, hey, this is a strange season. What can you say? So those are the four choices. And, again, uh, I'm sure I'm missing a few. And if you want to let me know what those are, again, you can get me on my Twitter account. Uh, I'll put a link to it in the, uh, in the description of the, of the podcast as well. Uh, again, it's Andy underscore Mazur, M-A-S-U-R, and the number one. Uh, that's where you can find me on Twitter. I'm there all the time. I check every day. I check hourly. My girlfriend hates it, but I do it anyway uh, just because I want to stay in touch with uh, what's going on out there. So, uh, all right, so that's uh, that's that, and again, we'll be probably uh, getting into a few more of those as we move along here in this podcast, and I'm trying to get this thing so we can update it uh, at least once a week. <clears throat> it's going uh, to be fun to see if I can actually do that. I, I have grandiose dreams, but I'm going to try to uh, to make that happen. Uh, I, I looked at this roster going in when we started summer camp back in July, and yeah, that's still a bad name, by the way. They need to come up with something better because summer camp sounds like uh, sounds like me when I was ten and I was going to a sports camp and it was it was summer camp. I got on a bus, I went, I ate lunch, I swam, and uh, played a lot of wiffle ball. Uh, but anyway, you know, you look at it and and some of the guys that were out there, we had no idea that they were going to make an impact at all. And I point to a couple of guys in the bullpen. I know they had some rough goes of it uh, later in the year, but uh, but Cody Hoyer. And Matt Foster, kind of uh, opposites, if you will, because Hoyer's got that little slide step, short arm delivery that he can rush it up there near 100 miles an hour, and got a good changeup, and also that slider. 
And then you look at Matt Foster and, uh, you know, the beginning of the year, fearless. Uh, went right after hitters, didn't care, throwing 93, 94, and uh, was just mowing guys down. He had a couple of starts as the, uh, the, the opener, if you will, and two scoreless innings in both of those starts. So it was, it was great to see. Uh, you know, the only good thing, if you can say good, about this crazy COVID season was that you probably got a chance to look at some guys you probably never would have seen had the season been a regular year, 162 games. I, I look at those two guys uh, in particular. You never would have seen Garrett Crochet uh, just drafted and then come up. Uh, you know, never probably is a strong word, but uh, it, it would have been uh, it would have been a, a highly doubtful kind of a situation had we had seen him. But what we saw of him, obviously, later in the year was it was pretty incredible. Uh, 100 miles an hour, like it was nothing. Uh, easy gas, as the, as the players like to call it. So. You know, it was it was interesting in that respect uh, to see uh, Nick Madrigal get a get a chance at the big league level as well. Uh, fun to see him out there. I mean, this kid knows baseball, and yeah, I know he had a couple of games where uh, uh, he had some brain cramps and some some rookie situations, but uh, more often than not, this is a kid that's got a very high baseball IQ and a kid that's not afraid to hit with two strikes, which just absolutely amazed me uh, at the numbers he was able to put up with two strikes on him. There are a lot of veteran hitters that hate getting the two strikes. There's a lot of veteran hitters that will swing at the first pitch because they don't even want to get to one strike. Uh, but uh, Nick, patient, worked the count, even though a lot of the uh, the pitches called strikes on him really weren't. A little high. Uh, hey, a short guys, we got to stick together. We got to have our, each other's backs. But he, uh, he figured it out and was swinging at some balls over his head, but making contact and uh, driving in some big runs too. So that was a very interesting thing to see too. And who knows? I mean, if it was 162 games, does he does he get a start? Does he get a crack at it? I mean, I I don't know. Uh, Larry Garcia went down, obviously opening up a little bit of a door there. Uh, but Danny Mendick was playing really well too. He had some big league experience as well. So kind of uh, interesting to see if we would have uh, had a crack at him. But the one guy we know we were definitely going to see is Luis Robert. And he is one of those rare finds where the possibility exists that he's a five-tool guy. Now, I know that he got off to that great start and then scuffled, but had a couple of big hits toward the end of the year in the Cubs series and also in the playoffs. Uh, The home run he hit may be scheduled to land somewhere near San Francisco tomorrow. Uh, He crushed that ball, by the way. And I kind of look at it this way. It's, It's great that he got his feet wet at the big league level. But I really kind of feel like a 60-game schedule was more unfair to him than anybody. And, I, and I'll tell you why. He got off to that great start. Pitchers figured him out. And in a short season, you don't have a lot of time to try to figure them out in return. So he was scuffling because time was running out. Every time he played a game, it was like three games had gone by just with the, the way that the 60-game the schedule played itself out. So I really feel like he had it more tough because – he had to figure it out and try to figure it out quickly. And the more he tried to do that, the less it seemed to work until the very end where he finally just relaxed again and started hitting the ball to all fields. And then eventually pitchers had to come into him and you saw what he did to that ball uh, against the A's in game three. So I I think we're just scratching the surface on what we're able to see with this kid because uh, defense is never going to be an issue for him. Yeah, he's probably going to work on uh, some of the, the plays by the wall, which he had a couple of issues later in the year. But gap to gap, uh, wall to infield, I mean, he's got things covered. And the first step, the speed, the jump, the ability just to read a ball off the bat, 
is unbelievable. So I think the sky's the limit for this kid. I mean, that's Captain Obvious speaking to you right there. But uh, pretty cool the way that uh, he was able to get his feet wet here and and uh, do some damage at the big league level. You know, the obvious guys that uh, that really came through more often than not were Jose Abreu and Tim Anderson. Uh, Anderson, again, had himself a, a tremendous year. He did have that slump where he kind of fell out of the, the picture for the batting title. But, uh, again, it's a tough tough thing to do. And there's a, not a lot of at-bats. Your batting average can go way up in a couple of games, and it can go way down in a couple of games. And, unfortunately, it was the latter for Tim Anderson. But Abreu was solid from the very beginning to end, even when he was slumping. You really couldn't tell. Uh, and the other guy that had a pretty even season, although there were some peaks and some valleys, was Eloy Jimenez. Uh, again, vowing to be a complete hitter. Vowing to be a guy that could hit 300, could hit 25 to 30 home runs, could drive in nearly 100 runs. And I think that he took the first steps uh, in that uh, maturation process to be that complete hitter. He gives you a great at bat every time he's up there, even when he's scuffling a bit. Now, he just keeps to, has to keep remembering that he can hit a ball out to right field as easily as he can hit a ball out to left field and uh, not to get pull happy and not to pull off the ball and things of that nature. Again, I sound like a hitting coach, but I'm not. But, uh, you know, that's kind of how, uh, how his season went. Okay, sorry if I sounded a little distracted there at the, at the end. Uh, that was I had to, to restart. I've headed downstairs to the, uh, the main studio with uh, my girlfriend and the dog just came in from a nice little walk. So uh, I had to spend a little time uh, up there with both of them. And now I'm back and kind of, again, recapping uh, the 2020 White Sox baseball season. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard from a lot of fans who uh, who really seem disappointed with the way things went in game three. And I get it. Uh, it's completely understandable. Uh, but I think that the, the situation was uh, – was rather dire as far as uh, who would have been the third starter <laughs> going forward. Uh, you know, Dane Dunning and, and Dylan Cease and those guys, they, you know, they scuffled a little bit toward the end. Obviously, Ronaldo Lopez uh, did as well. So it was kind of a, a tough situation, I think. But I, I think really, realistically, if I would have asked anybody had they thought and would they have signed up for the fact that the White Sox would make the playoffs in 2020, uh, and, you know, the answer is yes. I think you'd be happy. I mean, I think you'd be at least uh, to see the, the first kind of a step here uh, in this gradual thing that we've been calling a rebuild. And, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, it was nice to see them get uh, kind of paid off for what uh, all the hard work as far as, you know, trades and draft picks and things of that nature to to get you to uh, to a place where you were at the dance. You were invited to the dance, which is always a great thing. And uh, it does set the bar pretty high for next year, though. So uh, that that's, that's certainly one thing I think that everybody uh, in the organization understands. And uh, the bar has been set pretty high uh, for 2021. And hopefully it'll be much more of a normal season with uh, fans in the stands and uh, a normal schedule of 162 games, which uh, you know will play out over the, the series of a few months here and, and kind of get back to more normal. So uh, with that being said, I would like to offer uh, everyone out there a, a chance to uh, you know to ask some questions or interact with uh, with the podcast. That's what it's all about. It's all about you guys. It's all about the fans. We'll, you know what we're going to do. Uh, uh, let me give you the game plan here because, uh, like I said, I'm rebranding this. Easy for me to say and and uh, coming out with a new uh, the new uh, podcast here. Try to do it every week for you. We'll we'll talk other things other than White Sox as well. Uh, I want to get into. Uh, the, the way that the uh, the championship series will will eventually play themselves out and uh, some of the matchups and 
give you some of my thoughts on uh, on those and some of my picks and things about the uh, the off season with the uh, the uh, the awards. So we'll, we'll do a lot of that as well. Uh, I, again, my my Twitter handle is the best way to to reach out and to uh, to ask questions and things of that nature. Things you might want to see covered on this podcast. Again, my uh, Twitter handle is at Andy underscore Mazur, M-A-S-U-R, the number one. And uh, I do check it. So uh, if you do tweet me, I will see it. Uh, may not have chance to get back to you right away, but uh, know that I have seen it. So uh, we'll uh, we'll try to move forward with some of those things. Real quick before uh, we wrap up this uh, abbreviated edition of number one here, season one, episode one of the Andy Mazur podcast. Uh, again, I, I started off by thanking everybody for tuning in and, and listening. It was a, a crazy season as far as the broadcast was concerned. Um, again, starting off with the passing of our dear friend Ed Farmer and, and, and everything that kind of ensued after that uh, with me sitting in the chair and sliding in and, uh, you know, again, not replacing Ed because some folks are irreplaceable and he's one of those kind of folks that is indeed irreplaceable. I, you know, I, I just felt that... Uh, you know, it was uh, an awesome responsibility to to sit in that chair and to, uh, to to kind of bring you what happened in the 2020 season. Uh, working with DJ was an absolute pleasure, and I'm going to try to get him on this podcast one of these days. I know he's rather elusive at times, but uh, I'm going to see if I can get him to uh, to chime in uh, uh, in, a, in a few weeks and let him get uh, settled in his off season first, and then we'll we'll try to try to buck him too and get him on the podcast. But you know, working with him was awesome. He he made it really easy for me to. To transition in there and uh, to work with him for all the uh, the games that we did. We did the three exhibition games, the 60 regular season games, and then three playoff games. So a total of 66 times we uh, convened at uh, Guaranteed Rate Field in our home radio booth and uh, brought you the, the sights and sounds of Major League Baseball, Chicago White Sox style. You know, for those that don't know, I mean, yeah, we did not travel this year. And I, I think it's probably pretty well known by this point, but we didn't travel at all. So, uh, it kind of evolved where we had a, a a series of monitors in our booth. One of them had the uh, the actual television feed, which is what I was calling the game off of, and we had a couple of other that uh, uh, screens that offered us uh, views of the entire field, uh, the bullpens, the scoreboard, the uh, in between inning clock, and things of that nature. So we could at least you know kind of keep up with as, as if we were there. And then uh, great job by the PR staff too. They were uh, a couple of guys were there at the uh, games and were. We're texting us all the changes. Uh, sometimes it, it got a little behind, but you know we made the most of it. Made, made the best of it. So it was a unique opportunity for me to to kind of sit there and uh, try to call a game off of a TV monitor, where uh, you were really at the mercy of uh, a cameraman, a producer, and a director. Uh, there were a couple of series. I won't mention the the teams by name. Okay, Tigers and Twins where the, uh, the director had a little issue in um, being able to cut the cameras so I can actually see where a ball was after it was hit. Uh, there were a couple of real challenging series there for us, but again, what were we going to do? Uh, complaining was not, uh, was not on the list because to complain about it would mean that uh, you know, we're, we're kind of nitpicky here about uh, the fact that we're actually calling baseball games. That's the only thing that really mattered to me. I think that's the only thing that mattered to DJ as well. We did the best we could under the uh, under the circumstances. It was always much more enjoyable when we saw the game actually taking place right in front of us because for obvious reasons, that's what we're used to. And you can see a lot of different things that you can't see on uh, TV coverage because maybe the director isn't showing us that. So, uh, you know, we have to see it with our own two eyes. But uh, it was great. And I, I got to be honest, I was, I was really happy with uh, the way that he and I worked together, DJ and I worked together. 
uh, it was pretty seamless as far as I was concerned. And uh, I'm grateful for him for that because he's as big a reason for that as anything. And uh, he's a true pro and, and uh, a great ambassador to White Sox baseball. And again, I, I like to thank the fans. I mean, we, we got a lot of great feedback during the year. And uh, I know most of the feedback was uh, surrounding the uh, the first home run call that I had. I had promised uh, one of the, the podcasts that I was on earlier that there would be something special coming for the first White Sox home run. And I was trying to think of a way to uh, to honor Ed's memory and to, to kind of make it seem like he was still with us. And uh, Yohan Moncada provided the, the perfect dramatic theater for us in that first game against the Twins with the, the laser beam home run, the th- three-run shot to right center field, which allowed us the opportunity to uh, to tell Ed that one was for him and to you know, turn on the fireworks and to light them up. And it was uh, it was great, and the feedback was was tremendous for that. Uh, obviously, I was not doing it for that. I was doing it for uh, a guy that I got to know, and uh, a special guy, obviously for White Sox fans and for the White Sox in general. Southside guy that uh, bled White Sox colors, and certainly wanted to see them win. And uh, we we kind of had a sneaking feeling that uh, the rainbow that we saw, the double rainbow that we saw there toward the uh, the final playoff game against the Oakland A's, and obviously it it, it didn't turn into a, a comeback victory, but we we think it was Ed probably sending us a message to say that uh, there there are brighter days ahead and there are more special things to come and that pot of gold uh, at the end of that rainbow is something that uh, we might see sooner rather than later. So that's uh, that that's something that we can we can all look forward to. But again, I, I appreciate you checking out the podcast and again, I'm going to try to update this thing as as regularly as possible once a week. Watch social media for uh, the updates to it and uh, where you can uh, listen to it. I believe it's going to be available on all the the normal spots wherever you uh, can hear your uh, your podcast. Again, just search Andy Mazur Podcast, and uh, that's where we'll go. So until next time, I appreciate you listening to the first one. And, uh, again, if you have any comments or some uh, questions we can answer for you, the best way to get a hold of me is through my Twitter account, at Andy underscore Mazur, M-A-S-U-R-1. And don't forget to uh, take part in the poll that's up there right now. It'll be up there for another uh, 10, 12 hours, I believe. Uh, your favorite moments or moment of the uh, 2020 season for the White Sox? Was it Lucas Giolito's no-hitter? Was it Tim Anderson abusing the Detroit Tigers and Matthew Boyd? Was it Jose Abreu's six-home run series against the Cubs? Or was it the four consecutive home runs started by Yoan Moncada against the St. Louis Cardinals? Those are the choices. And again, if you have other ones, you can certainly feel free to let me know. All right, that'll do it. First edition, Andy Mazur, the podcast, coming at you live from my basement. And uh, the basement studio, that is, of course, that is uh, adorned in microphones and wires and things that somehow I don't even remember them being down here, to be honest with you. But anyway, we'll continue the fun here, hopefully, and uh, get you involved and get some great guests as we move forward here as well. So, again, thank you for listening. And until next time, we will talk to you later. Have a good one, everybody.